0: Hey everyone, Sandy here, popping in to let you know that for the month of January, we are re-releasing some of our most popular episodes from 2019. And we're doing this because behind the scenes, we are planning an exciting new relaunch of our podcast with a brand new name and a slightly brand new direction. It's all happening in early February. In the meantime, come join us on Instagram, at Namastream, to be the first to know about the new podcast. And we might even sneak peek some of our new branding. For now, enjoy this episode and be on the lookout early February for our new show. Ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible.
1: We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice.
0: Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that
1: looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be.
0: Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com
0: slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 131. This week, we are talking to success coach and author, Emily Williams. This interview is part of our Women in Money series. Every once in a while, we all need a shakeup. We need a voice that breaks through some of our pesky limiting beliefs. You know, the ones that hold us back and stop us from achieving our true desires. And that's what Emily did for us with our collective money beliefs. We heard her speak and loved her no-nonsense practical views on wealth. She's a refreshing female voice who talks unabashedly about dreaming big and taking action to make money. A lot of money. Jenny and I both want women to have more money because with money comes power, and that can only happen when women start talking about money. We need to become comfortable with that word on our tongues. We don't want any of us to feel shame about wanting or having money. To change this, women need to start conversations about what they desire, how much they want to make, and what they need to do to make it happen. We also need stories of women who have money. We need examples so we can see what's possible. And Emily is a fantastic example for all of us. We think you'll find Emily's personal story and her advice inspiring. And we hope that this episode will have you taking a moment to examine your own money mindset. And truthfully for all of us, we're aiming for a no limits money mindset. Emily Williams, who at one point couldn't get a job at Starbucks, currently runs a seven-figure business called I Heart My Life. Today, she coaches women all over the world, helping them break with their false backstories and flawed money mindsets that hold their goals hostage and keep them from moving forward. Let's listen now to Emily Williams.
1: Welcome, Emily, to the podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. So tell our listeners a little bit about your expertise. So you obviously have a lot to say about money and mindset, but where did that come from? And when did that start to become an area that you focused on in your life and your business? So it's really
2: funny because I never set out to do anything with mindset or money mindset. And actually, when I started my business, it was focused on helping women uncover their purpose because I, and my, I myself had been in a quarter life crisis for so many years. And I was unhappy, didn't love my life. And so I just thought I was going to be more of a life coach. So got into the work, started I Heart My Life, and invested in a coaching program to help me build my business. Now, at the time, I was $30,000 in credit card debt and $90,000 in student loan debt. And so I, again, had no inkling that I would be doing anything with money. My husband actually had to lend me the money to invest in this program. But I moved forward, started to grow my business, and my coach, her name is Gina DeVee, she actually taught all about money mindset. And in the beginning, it seemed like nothing was really happening for me. At one point, I remember getting on a coaching call and just saying, why isn't this working? I literally had 54 no's in a row from people who didn't want to work with me. I kept doing call after call after call. And she started to teach me all about the power of your mind, especially when it comes to finances. And so I started to do my own money mindset work, which led to some huge transformations in terms of my own finances. And that really opened up so many doors for me to really start to do work like that with other women.
1: Wow. And how long did that process take for you for that shift to happen internally where you started to see the results in your life and in your business?
2: Pretty quickly. So I had that 54 no's in a row period of time. And once I started to do the work, it was literally a few months later that I had my first $6,000 month and I was able to leave my nine to five job, which was incredible. And from there, everything just snowballed. Then I had a $20,000 a month, $30,000 a month. I hit six figures in my business in the first six months. And then my first seven figures within my first 18 months. And so, it really transformed quickly. And and I want everyone to really understand that, of course, mindset is super powerful, but I was also taking a lot of action. I was showing up. I was getting on these calls. So there's, there's obviously a, a few components to it.
1: And can I ask, did that mindset work help inspire you to take action or were you already in action? T- it sounded like, I mean, based on the 54 no's, you were already kind of into taking action in your life. I was definitely into
2: taking action and I just had this feeling like I was meant for something big and the mindset piece was really what shifted everything for me because especially when I was going through my quarter life crisis, I was so focused on what was going wrong Even when I was going through that period of 54 no's in a row, I was focused on, oh, my gosh, why isn't this happening? Why isn't anyone buying? And it was actually one of my colleagues who was like, Emily, how are you even attracting 54 people? I can't get anyone on the phone. And so I realized when I started to shift my mindset, I would be focused and I focused on possibility and focused on what I actually wanted to happen, then things really took off. So it was really pairing that action with this new mindset.
1: And can I ask what were you doing in your nine to five? What were you doing before you left? I was a matchmaker.
2: (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Very different. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, and how do you work with women now? Yeah. So once
2: my business started to take off, I started to be approached by other entrepreneurs who wanted to know how I did what I was doing. And so again, that was really by accident that I started working with other driven women. But I knew that I could help them and people liked the fact that I was just a few steps ahead of them at first because I really understood where they were at. So now we work with entrepreneurs, mostly service-based entrepreneurs to help them build their business, but we really believe in holistic success. So as I've already shared, it really is about the whole package, not just taking action, not just the strategy, but the internal work and helping women become successful internally as well as obviously take the steps needed to create that success.
1: Mm -hmm. So walk me through a day in life for Emily. I'm just so curious how you internalize this, this, this mindset work into your life. What does it look like to be you? What does it feel like?
2: What does it look like to be me? Yeah.
1: Okay. So (laughs) this is always
2: a funny question when I think about a day in the life of, because I wouldn't say that there's a standard or typical day for me. Um, I'm not sure how your world operates, but it seems like as entrepreneurs, we do our best to plan, but then there's always random stuff that comes up. But for me, I like to wake up really early, normally around 5.30 or so, and just get started. And what that looks like is either go to a yoga class. If I don't want to go to a yoga class that day, I might start writing. I have a book that's coming out, but I've always been a writer. So whether it's writing emails or posts or whatever, I do my best writing in the morning. I love to have a nice bulletproof cup of coffee with my writing and and to get the juices flowing. Um, And then my husband and I, we actually work together, so we always have a 15-minute kind of team <laughs> partnership meeting to connect and figure out what the, the strategy is for the day, what we're both focused on, all of that good stuff. And then I move forward with checking my email, checking social media, doing all that, looking at my Asana list. So we we now have some incredible project managers on our team. So everything's laid out for me in terms of what what is on the to-do list. And then I just hit the ground running. And normally I work I mean, it really just depends. I work most of the morning and then we have client calls in the afternoon because at the time that we're recording this, I'm living in London and most of our clients are actually in the US and Canada. So our afternoons are pretty busy.
1: Interesting. And so that's so fascinating that your husband works with you. So obviously that, when did that happen? How did that take place for you?
2: Again, another fluke, <laughs> um, yeah. a happy fluke, but let me just back up. I moved to London on a whim from Ohio in the United States, and I didn't know him when I moved here, but we met online a year after I moved. And so we you know, started dating, got married very quickly. And he was in TV. He was in TV for about twelve years, working in graphic design. And he was at a point where he realized he wasn't happy doing what he was doing. Yet he didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. Didn't know about coaching. It wasn't in his family like it was in mine. And so it was it was not even on his radar to join me in I Heart My Life. Hmm. But I started to think about hiring someone to give me some extra support because in the beginning the growth was happening very quickly, but I was also working a ton. I was working between 80 and a hundred hours a week and I had 27 one-on-one clients. (laughs) And so I started talking to my coach about getting some support and she said, well, James isn't happy in his job. What about him? Would he want to join you? And we had a conversation about it. I was actually abroad in Bali at the time working with my coach and I just called him and, and said, you know, Gina had this idea. What do you think? And he was all about it, literally put in his notice. And within a few weeks, we, he had resigned and he had joined the company. And it was, it was and still is very much a learning curve. We're, we're working on figuring out what his role is in the company because he's an incredible coach and that's really the thing he loves. So we've gone through a few different roles and have ultimately landed on the thing he really loves. But there's a lot more to explore. I'm sure he'll have his own brand at one point. So yeah, it's been interesting.
1: And h- how long ago did that happen? Four years. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah I have a similar situation, I think, about oh, really? my life. So oh, okay. it's so it's so wild. I've I, like, It's so amazing to see this group of women that have sort of retired their husbands, right? It's such an interesting... Yeah it's a risky, confusing process. So we should have a conversation, another conversation about that. There should be a support group for women who are.
2: Well, first piece of advice, make sure to ask your husband whether he likes the word retired, because mine hates that. He's like, I don't want people to think I'm
1: just sitting around not doing anything. (laughs) So I had to change that phrase. Fair enough. See, I don't even know what I'm about to get into. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's a little terrifying, okay, so I want because so many folks in our community I think struggle with money, I mean we see it in our inbox constantly with from our audience, and I think partly because in the wellness world, those are roles that are historically very underpaid, and so I think that triggers a lot of money issues for for the women that we work with and i'm I'm trying to figure out how to best. That's why we're doing this series of podcasts, why we've reached out to you. I'm trying to figure out how to best assist folks in our, in our space with this issue. I mean, Sandy and I each have our own uh, baggage that we bring to it. And I, and I wonder when you first start working with a client, what is that process? What does that look like? What are, do you give them a set of questions to think about? Like, what is the first thing one can do when they want to start addressing this issue in their lives?
2: Yeah. It's all about getting clear on what they want so for me, obviously, the company's I heart My life. so heart is a big part of what we do. So you have to get clear around what it is you actually desire. And what I find is that there's so many women that are actually in denial about what they want. Mm-hmm. They might be in denial. They might be judging it. And the thing is, is whatever we're denying or whatever we're judging, we're going to block it. And so it's really important to bring what you want to the surface to actually acknowledge that it's what you want, and then we can move from that space. And if I give you a tangible example, so when anyone comes to me and they want to start their business, I ask them about their financial goals. And most of the time, people will tell me, well, I have to pay my rent. I have to pay for the kids' schooling. I have to pay the water bill, blah, 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 the list of the Mm have-tos. But I work on getting them into the desire, because money will come when you're connected with what it is that you want. Yeah. No one is motivated to save for their 401k, which they won't even see for decades down the road, right? So that may be a little bit of a motivation, but I want to I know like truly what it is that you actually want. Is it to be able to leave your nine to five job? Is it another vacation with the kids? Is it, you know, what is that thing that you actually want? And so getting very clear around that makes it so much easier to move forward in your business when you're connected to the desire and you know that even if you go through a period of 54 no's in a row, you're working towards something that really lights you up. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, it totally makes sense. I feel like in our space, in our niche, we have as as a whole a hard time feeling like money should be the ultimate goal. So when I survey our community, I get the the number one response I get back for why people are doing this work is to serve more people, right? They want to take their wellness work online so that they have a bigger audience so they can serve more people yep. and in, and impact their lives. And it's very infrequent that someone says, I want to make more money. And so I think that there is a disconnect that happens there. How, how do you deal with with that when you end up with your clients? Yeah,
2: well, first of all, we need to get clear that there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. And in fact, unless you make money in your business, you're not gonna be able to serve anyone. Mm -hmm. And so people come to me and they're like, I wanna serve everyone, I wanna sell $20 products so that everyone can buy them. And I'm like, okay, well, number one, you don't have an audience yet. So let's, let's build the audience because if you're selling $20 products, you know, you're going to have to sell a substantial amount amount for you to make anything in the business. And so I actually recommend getting very clear about what the financial goals are for the company, and then thinking about how you can start to grow from there. So, for example, if someone has a bigger price package, like a one-on-one service, and they can charge more, that's going to bring money into the company, which means the company will be able to grow. You'll be able to bring on more people. You'll be able to do more marketing, okay? And then once you do more marketing, then you can reach more people. But you're running a business, not a charity. And so the the business has to make money. And so I want people to no longer feel ashamed for wanting to make money because because making more money means that they can serve more people. And frankly, we all know that when we get a freebie or a free webinar or something, it gathers dust on the desktop. We don't pay as much attention to it compared to something we actually invest in. And so I really believe that sales is something you do for someone, not to them, because when they're in your program, when they're working with you, when they've invested, the results they're going to get are exponentially higher than someone who's just in it for, for something for free.
1: Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think people need to get over this whole concept that making money is wrong and realize like that's their vehicle for changing the world.
0: I saw or I heard you quoted Marianne Williamson. Do you remember that, exa- that quote? I would love for you to talk about that. Yeah,
2: so essentially it's from the law of divine compensation and she talks about how we're not meant to worry about money. And all of us are meant to have money and to be wealthy because we're meant to have all of our mental ability, physical ability to serve the world. And if we think about our bodies or ourselves as having like a bucket of energy, when we worry about money, it's depleting that bucket. And so we don't actually have all the energy to serve the world. We don't have the energy to hop on stage and give an incredible presentation. We don't have the energy to be creative and put new offerings out into the world. And so it's all about you creating wealth so that you are able to serve the world and also so you yourself are taken care of and can actually serve to the next degree.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I couldn't agree more with that. I'll just say we we have a really similar way of talking to, to our people about in terms of pricing strategies and how you need to actually make a business in order yeah. to, to keep the doors open and serve more people. And I wanted to just share with you, Sandy and I have a software company. We come at this from the position of being women in tech and having gone through rounds of fundraising and it's so interesting to me because we get asked when we're on podcasts quite a lot about, okay, so what can we do collectively to benefit female entrepreneurs? Like what is the one thing we can do? And I always come back to, you can earn a lot of money and invest in other women. Because truthfully, that's where your power is. Um, when you want to create change by being able to invest in other women, whether that's from buying their products and services or from becoming an angel investor or running a VC firm or whatever it is, or donating to... A charity organization, that's where your power is. And that's a tremendous amount of power that I think a lot of women shy away from having and owning. And because of that, I feel like it defines the role of women in our culture. Thank you
2: for sharing that. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think it's also. Just showing other women what's possible—that's so powerful. I remember when I was first starting out, my coach said, "Well, you know, you can turn your matchmaker salary, you know, that yearly salary, into your monthly revenue as a coach, right?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? I don't know anyone making thirty thousand dollars in a month—at least no one my age." And she's like, "Well, I'm doing it. There are tons of other people out there doing it." And so for me, it was that dose of possibility that really taught me that I could do it too. And so when we're out there making money and building amazing businesses and having impact and other people see that, that in itself is like, oh my gosh, she's doing it. I can do that. I can do it too. And it's like this wake up call.
1: This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com.
0: I think this is like the first time in history where women are really starting to come into money. Like across all ages, women have not had the money and not had the power. And it's such an interesting time to be a woman who is earning good money. And like the, it's just to, to sort of examine that, like, why am I not comfortable? Why do I feel guilty? Why do I not feel like I deserve this? Like and, and there's, we need to be talking about women making a lot of money so that just for what you said, that there's examples and go, well, she can do it. I can do it. Cause we haven't had those examples ever, ever, exactly. ever, where there's just like a few celebrities, you know, that it just, that can't be me. So I think this conversation is super important, but I... What do you think is the most frustrating thing for you when you work with new clients? What What do you just want to shake them and, and, and get into their head? Well, it's so
2: funny you ask that because my husband and I were just having this conversation because he's in charge of a lot of the sales calls in our company. And he's so empathetic and he's so kind. And I get so frustrated with people who hold themselves back. Like, you know, someone's on the call with us and we know we can help them. Yet they're like, oh, well... I don't know if I can put this on a credit card or I don't know if I have the money or I'm scared no one's going to like it. Or what is my husband going to say? You know, all these fears and insecurities and, and lack of belief in themselves and what's possible. That drives me crazy because I believe if you have a desire, if you have a dream, then that means that you're capable of doing it. I believe that your desires are literally dropped in. And so there's not even a question of whether you can do it. You might not know the how, you might not know the exact steps, but there are people out there who can teach you that stuff. You can probably even Google it. Yet we're holding ourselves back from what we're meant for and in turn holding ourselves back from having that change and impact or creating that change and having that impact in the world. And that's what drives me crazy is this this lack of belief in yourself that I see in so many women and the fear that comes up.
0: And where do you think that fear comes from? Like, is that a childhood thing, a cultural thing? Like, what's the common reason that women are so fearful?
2: Well, it's the mind going into the future and pretending that it, it's a fortune teller and saying to you, oh, no, this isn't safe, right? The mind likes to keep us safe. And it deems any change, any change at all as unsafe, And so we need to get very clear that there are, yes, plenty of things in the world to be scared of, but you going for your dreams is not one of them. In fact, you staying stuck and small, that's the thing to fear
1: yeah i I would say, Sandy, just to piggyback on what Emily's saying, I think as entrepreneurship is becoming more normalized in our culture for women and online and in the scale all of us know it to be now, I think we can because we can see those examples, we can start to to think that's possible for me versus Otherwise, the dominant culture is what defines what's possible for us. right? So if you look around and everyone you know has a 9 to 5 job and everyone is struggling with money, then you want to hold on tight to what you have right? versus if you see other people thriving and taking a chance on a dream and building something new in the world and taking risks, then that behavior becomes normalized. And I think it's easier to take that leap. And I think that's why Emily's message resonates so well is because as as a community, we're starting to see so many examples of it.
2: Oh, yeah. So, well, the first thing that comes to mind is when I actually envisioned first class, first class, and I manifested it. So before I booked it, I had to put myself into the space of seeing myself there, and I was able to create an upgrade. And then after that, yeah, the first time that I actually booked it, I was in Bali with one of my coaches, and she asked me, who I think business class is for. And I said, you know, the first thing that came to mind, which was men in suits. And she just kind of looked at me and I heard it. (laughs) I was on the outside and and heard it, how crazy it sounded. And I had just flown from Sydney or from London to Sydney and then Sydney to Bali. I had been on this huge trip and was really tired. It was the time when I was working tons of hours a week. I had 27 one-on-one clients and I had to really ask myself if, business class is just for for men in suits you know number one where does that belief come from how was that passed down to me and once i c- came to that conclusion i had to get clear around the new belief that i was going to create which was i was deserving of first class business class whatever you want to call it and i was uh, capable of sitting in those seats i was worthy of sitting in those seats i was deserving of sitting in those seats And so my coach at the time challenged me to book it then and there. She challenged me to book that upgrade and pay for it. And I did. And I never went back because that was the most glorious experience ever (laughs) to not be crammed into those seats. And it's so fascinating because if you ask someone what they think of first class, that will immediately bring up money blocks. You can get a very clear understanding of someone's money mindset by talking to them about things like first class. Yet, I really believe that if we think about it, you're just walking down an aisle and you see those people sitting in the first class seats and you walk back to economy, you need to realize that they're just people sitting in seats just like you. And they were able to create that life. They were able to do, get the upgrade or whatever, however they got themselves there. But that's possible for you too. So again, it comes back to that possibility. If someone out there is doing it, then that means it's possible for you too.
0: Yeah. Why not me? Right? Yeah. Why not me? So what do you tell people who say, you know, I have these dreams and I, I want to reach this income goal. I'm going to need help or I'm going to have to invest in a tool or I'm going to have to do X, Y, Z to get there. So. And I don't have the money, but I could go into debt. Are you um, a proponent of saying, putting something on on a visa to get the training, get the tool, get whatever to reach that goal? Yep. American Express funded my business.
2: It was my investor. So it's true. Oh, my God, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, because, okay, here's the thing. So all of us, I mean, I'll speak for the Western world. We're totally cool taking out the student loans. That's very much accepted. We might not always love it, but we do it. And we're cool with that. Yet when it comes to starting our business, people think that they're going to have the money under the mattress or something. And I I don't know where that comes from. I do know where that comes from, but that drives me crazy because it's most of the time for us as entrepreneurs, it's not necessarily something that's been planned out. It's something that we come across. You know, somebody else is starting a business. We start to realize what's possible. We find ourselves not loving our nine to five job anymore. So we start to get this idea that we hear this whisper. And then we think that we should have the money just sitting there. And most of the time, that's not actually the case. And so just like an education or investing in, in, you know, getting trained for a job, you have to put the, the, either the money on a credit card or the investment on a credit card or get a loan or get some sort of funding to start. That doesn't mean that it takes a ton. Online businesses are so easy to start these days. There's really no excuse. But, you know, this belief that we're just going to have the money sitting there, I mean, I think that's kind of crazy town.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And I asked for a specific reason because we just finished a launch and what we're offering is kind of this beautiful package with our software tool, coaching and courses and some community, and it's everything you need to to get going. And so I feel frustration around um, people who come to us like, oh, I love what you guys are doing and I want this and I want this and I, I have a dream and I have these ideas, but I don't have the money. And I'm like, you're not going to get the money unless you actually take the action to build the business, which we are, you know, would love to help you do, but we do want to get paid for that. And it's just, they see it as a chicken and an egg and they need to come up with the money first. And we have this whole way of teaching them how to pre-sell so that they can, sort of fund their, their business with uh, existing customers. So it all works to me. And so we sort of butt up against this mindset. It's like, Oh, but I can't afford it. And it's like, Oh, but you, if you, if you truly have this deep, deep, deep decision and desire to build this thing that you envision, then you absolutely, you absolutely can afford it. It's a couple thousand dollars, you know, for most of these kind of programs. And so, and I know that's all mindset. And so I just wanted to, I wanted you the expert to say that out loud. So, thank you, of course, yeah, I mean, in that instance, they can't not buy it
2: because they can't afford not to, right they're going to throw spaghetti against the wall, hope some hoping something sticks it's going to take them much longer to actually make the money because they don't have your guidance. So, you know, from the outside looking in, of course, it's a no brainer, but people get stuck in their head. And what it comes down to is they don't trust themselves to follow through. They don't trust themselves to make the money. And so my job and and your job is to help them get clear around what it is that's holding them back. And for me, you know, those 54 no's in a row that happened because I wasn't willing to go deeper with my clients on the phone. I didn't want to get involved in their finances. I didn't want to ask the question, but when I started getting really clear and helping them get clear around what it was really about because it's not actually about the money then i was able to help them remove any of those blocks that were coming up for them or that lack of trust and so i think you know it's always going to come up especially for women it's it's something that Feels very scary to make that investment or to take that leap. But when we follow the fear and we actually ask ourselves, well, if I spend this thousand dollars and it doesn't work out for me, you know, what is the result going to be? We realize it's actually not that scary. And the thing that is scary is not taking action at all.
1: Yeah, you know, it just reminds me, I know you were talking about how people are really willing to spend money to invest in school and take out student loans that was a really hard point for me i went to graduate school at yale and i was with all these kids of privilege and i i wasn't i didn't i'm first generation college and then went to graduate school there and i remember thinking if i hadn't taken out these loans which i really wrestled with every single day for the entire time i was there if i hadn't taken out wow. these loans only the people who are in this segment of society are ever going to have access to this education and to this networking that I have and and i it, I, it took me being willing to take out hundred thousand dollars in student loans in order to ha- to elevate myself up to the next level and it's the same thing in business and i and I think otherwise business just like you said the people who have the money in the bank sitting around to start a business are going to be the ones that start the businesses and they're going to be the ones that sort of run society right and it's the same thing with school it's the same thing with with anything really, if you're not at that level, you have to be willing to trust yourself and take that leap of faith of, of this massive debt or this massive risk in my case, and then in the case of an online business, it's not massive at all, but it's still a risk, and if you can't get over that, I don't know what to say because you'll never get to that level like it, it's an it's an impossibility, and I just wonder, do you think from all of those conversations you had because i'm still wrestling with this like it's a real thing to go from Nothing to, to where we've gotten to, you know, and personally I feel still unfamiliar with, with what I've been able to do. But what is the main, when you said you weren't able to go deep on those 54 calls and really get down to what was blocking people, is it like a single block? Is it just fear or are there specific, like is there a collection of really deep fears? What, what would you have uncovered if you had gone deep there?
2: Yeah, so now we do go deep, and I, I just call bullshit. If someone tells me they don't have the money, then that's bullshit, because I didn't have the money either, but I found a way. And there are examples like that all over, like we can we can find them, you know, you have them in your client oh, yeah. clientele already, right? <laughs> like all these success stories, and and so, anyway, I it comes down to a few different things. One is how they were brought up, so just like you were saying, you were the first person to go to college, So you broke the family dynamic around money in that sense, right? But they're continuing to carry on the family dynamic, the family lineage around how you spend money and what's acceptable and what's not. So they probably have beliefs passed down from parents or grandparents that credit cards are wrong or going into debt is wrong. And so they can't move past that fear because, you know, if you think about it from an evolutionary psychology perspective, we all had to be liked at one point. We had to stay within the tribe. Otherwise, we would have died. There wouldn't have been food. There wouldn't have been protection. Yet we're still operating with that mentality even today. And so we need to help women to understand that it's actually safe to do this. And in fact, if they want to change the trajectory for their kids and future generations, they have to do this they have to start thinking in a different way. And so one of them is the family dynamic. Another one is, you know, what are people going to think? Am I really going to be able to do this? Which ultimately comes down to fear. And so my job on these calls is to get them into the desire and get them clear around what they really want, get them connected to the possibility and the vision so that that, even if the fears are still there, that becomes the more important part of all of this, not the fear.
1: So does the fear never really go away? Because it, it yes. hasn't for me. I continue to do stuff every day, yeah. right? But I still feel it. Yeah, it's always there, right? And she's yeah. in like, one of my
2: favorite books is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she yeah. talks about fear being in the car with you. It doesn't get to drive. It doesn't get to touch the radio, but it's always there. And I think you can acknowledge it and it be- can become a good thing. Like if you get those butterflies, you're like, oh, that's an indication. I'm doing something big. I'm going for it. I'm stepping outside the box. Change is happening but you have to learn to think in that way.
0: This idea of like how you grew up with money and how it's affecting you now is so interesting. For me, my parents were divorced and my mom was a single mom. And what I learned is like, you can't trust other people with money. Like you need to earn your own money because they will leave you and not support you. And so Jenny and I have this conversation, like, you know, we are both happily married and it's great, but I'm always like, what if? What if, can I, can I take care of myself? Can I, and I get panicky if I can't like, oh my God, I'm going to be abandoned and I need to have my own money, you know, kind of free, even though that's not the situation, but there's, that's what I've witnessed, right? Like not trust others are not going to give me money. Others are going to say they are, and they're not going to. And so I think it's really interesting for everyone to kind of examine what they learned when they were kids. And how is that carrying into their business?
2: Yeah, all these beliefs, I mean, it's just like DNA, it's passed down to us. And there's this tie to our parents, to, to, continue this way of thinking and it's a way to remain connected to them and to the family but then we were able to see like this actually isn't serving me so why am I still participating in this behavior and so I work with my clients on following that fear like if your husband were to leave and you had nothing what would happen I mean you'd probably rebuild your business you did it once so you'd do it again so, right, there isn't actually anything to be afraid of when we follow that those breadcrumbs that are the fear. And when we realize that and when we can be on the outside of our mind looking in and be the observer... We can take away some of the emotion of it and be like, okay, well, I would be fine. I'm so self-sufficient. I'm amazing. I just built this business for goodness sakes. There's really nothing to be afraid of. And it takes some practice, right? Like it's not an automatic thing, but we can get there and we can replace those fears with the positive thoughts, with the, the motivation, the confidence, the self-worth, all of that.
0: Can you just give us a quick, your quick thoughts on pricing? Because I know that our clients really struggle how to price their services, how to find identify the value and put a dollar sign to that. Do you have tips on that?
2: So I normally start with the energy around it. So I would ask yourself, how much do you want to charge for this service? And I never want someone to stretch themselves to a place where they don't feel confident about the pricing because that comes across energetically in calls or on video when they're trying to sell the service. And so I would think, what price point are you energetically at right now? So, let's just take $1,000. Does that how does that feel to you? Does that feel good? Does that feel doable? How does it feel to say it out loud? And if they say, Oh, no, I could never say that no one's ever going to pay for it, then we need to lower it. (laughs) And so we start there. Now we start there. But that doesn't mean we stay there. So many people are just like stuck at this price point for ages. And it drives me crazy. So you need to be constantly evaluating your price point And ask yourself, okay, well, if I sell two at this price point, you know, is it time to raise the prices? Because automatically when you see money coming in, your confidence is going to go up. And so my clients are always evaluating their pricing and just checking in again, like what feels like a little bit of a stretch and exciting, but where are you also feeling confident? What's
0: that sweet spot? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Okay. So Emily, we're going to run you through Prue's questionnaire. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you are just going to Answer off the top of your head. One or two words, okay? Right. So, what is your idea of perfect happiness? My husband in Hawaii. What is your greatest fear? Not doing enough. Which living person do you most admire?
2: Oprah Winfrey.
0: What is your greatest extravagance? Clothes. What is the quality you most like in a person? Uh, laughter. What talent would you most like to have? Speaking. What do you consider your greatest achievement? My business. Who are your favorite writers? Elizabeth Gilbert,
2: Nicholas Sparks.
0: And
1: what is your motto?
2: Anything is possible.
0: Nice, thank you.
1: I love how juxtaposed those writers are to one another. I know.
2: <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was obsessed with The Notebook back in the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so the final thing we do in our podcast interviews are that we ask you for a joy and a hustle. So a resource or a tool, a book, something that can bring our listeners joy, that brings you joy, and then also a tool to help them hustle in their business.
2: Awesome. So I love this podcast I listen to every single week called The Successful Mind Podcast. It's by David Nagel. And he's someone who's really, he he's just such an incredible person. What he's overcome in his life is just insane. It's, it's so incredible. And he brings me a lot of joy when I listen to that podcast. He also helps me get out of my own head and transform
1: my mindset when I need that. Great. What about a tool that can help folks hustle?
2: I love Asana. So I don't know what you guys use for, you know, management of all your projects and tasks, but Asana has been a game changer for us.
1: Nice. Yeah, we use Trello. They're basically the same thing at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, Emily, thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners find you online?
2: iHeartMyLife.com. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, and those handles are Iheartmylife My Life Now.
0: And you have a book that just came out. You want to tell us about that quickly?
2: Yes. So that's called I Heart My Life as well. (laughs) It's all about helping you discover your purpose, transform your mindset and create success beyond your dreams. And so it's for that woman who knows she's meant for something big. And it actually takes the reader through my story, and how I was able to transform my life and go from that Quarter-life crisis to creating a seven-figure business, so it's it's super personal. Also, gives a lot of client examples of their of my client's successes, and will help you put the the steps into your own life to make that transformation. There's lots of action steps and success tips, so it's going to be a really incredible read. Awesome! Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was super fun.
0: Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple, five day email based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.